This city is a dirty, ugly thing. A monster born of a violent past. It is a nest of horror, choking down every morsel they can find while spreading filth and decay with wild abandon. And it is just one of many, a single instance in a vast, sprawling network, brimming with all the ignorance and savageness of our simple species. The human race is a blight, leaving only sorrow and death in its wake. But there are those who seek something better, a small population of erudite visionaries who, in the face of ignorance, choose knowledge, and we shall prevail. And my name isn't August Howard, scholar, seeker, savior. This is Recording 57 in the Research and Documentation of the Anomaly we have playfully come to refer to as The Outsider. Following in the notes from the last recording, I would like to state that its English has become more and more fluent. It does occasionally slip into its native tongue, but we have begun attempts to remove this with conditioned response. Brandon proposed negative reinforcement, punishing it for failure, but given the inherent danger, I have decided to proceed with positive reinforcement. Not all of us have as many bodies to spare as Brandon, at least, not without consequences. Oh, you're already in here. Beg your pardon, Professor. Hopefully I set everything up correctly. I've got the recorder, pens, paper, and water, just in case you get parched. Everything is perfectly fine, Desmond, thank you. Is it ready for our interview? Uh, yes, Professor. It's just finishing up lunch right now. Well, then stop wasting time and bring it in here. I have a very busy schedule today. Of course. I know you didn't ask for my opinion, Professor, but... But you're more than happy to give it. <sighs> well, go on. Spit it out. I think we're investing far too much time and resources into the outsider. One wrong move, and it could all come crashing down. Not just your efforts to control it, but the whole order. And what would you propose we focus on instead? Continued research. Finding more accounts and artifacts from the Antelucan period. We should be growing in a controllable manner, otherwise we... Desmond, nothing is outside my control. Of course, but we are not working in a vacuum. There are more elements at play. Criminal enterprise, the projects of no less than 15 arcane academics, <laughs> and the... I... I feel like I've missed something. Oh, Desmond. You can make your lists all you want, but I know why you don't care for the Outsider. And why is that, Professor? Because, despite your amazing knowledge and uncanny talent for research, you cannot put your tools to work. Unable to channel even a fraction of the Origin's power. And then there's the Outsider. A being with no formal training or education, able to speak. Able to reshape the very fabric of reality with nothing more than intuition. And that galls you. Far be it for me to say you are wrong, but... Then don't. And save us both some time. It's an understandable emotion, but one you must acknowledge and correct. The outsider is the way forward. The sooner you accept that, the better. Of course. <sighs> you frustrate me sometimes, Desmond. I see great potential in you. 
If something should happen to me and I become unable to execute the vision of the magnum opus, you would be the only one I trust to grasp the full scope of what is to be done. Thank you, Professor. Except, you are too ambitious. Worrying about pride and attention? And don't get me started on your hedonistic tendencies. Hedonistic might be a tad much. <laughs> I'm no monk, but I'm not exactly Caligula either. We are trying to save the world, Desmond. But sometimes I think you're too fond of it. Professor Howard, I know just as well as you that the world cannot stay the way it is. We must change things, and I intend to do just that. Good. Remember that next time you consider soaking yourself in gin over the course of an evening. Do you really mean it? That you trust me more than any of the others? Of course. You've proven yourself to be a mind worthy of my attention. But the others, they've grown lazy. Lost sight of what our true purpose is. Content to idly fidget with the cogs of a broken universe. But you and I? You and I are focused. Resolute in our commitment to mend that cosmic clockwork. And we will, Professor. I promise when this is all over, you and I shall share a drink and look out over what we have made. I'll hold you to that. Now let's stop prattling and get to business. Fetch the outsider for me. Very well. While not directly related to the research of the outsider, I do believe it is important to note Desmond's attitude towards it. While initially oscillating between curiosity and indifference, my protege's mood has become more firmly situated in antagonistic contempt. Nothing flagrant, really. Mostly snide comments and sneers. All the same, I worry this will impact our findings. My decision to sacrifice Elnor was spurred on my belief that Mr. Eyre would provide an equal, if not superior, assistant. And in many ways, this is true. But if Desmond cannot accept the Outsider as a tool in our arsenal, then maybe I tried to kill the wrong assistant. <sighs> well, what's done is done. Come along now. I'm coming. No need to shout. Well, hello there. It's good to see you again. Evening, Professor. Go on, have a seat. Uh, Desmond, we've only got the one chair, so... I'll stand. Thank you. Very well. Now then. How have you been doing since our last chat? Things have been fine. I started reading the books you sent. Have you been enjoying them? They were some of my personal favorites as a child. Mmm, well, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I follow what's going on. But Ma and Pa never let us read nothing but scripture and hymnals. Well, maybe I could help. What don't you understand? Well, this Quix Odi fella? Quixote. It's pronounced Quixote. Really? Now ain't that something. Anyway, this Quixote is trying to be a knight, right? That's correct. And why is he off trying to fight windmills? If he's some hero, why is he acting like a darn fool? <laughs> Don Quixote represents a man who does not fit in his surroundings. He's not wrong for fighting the windmill. The world is wrong for liking giants. Oh. I thought you could relate to that feeling. After our talks last week about where you grew up, but I never felt like the world was wrong. I felt like I was the mistake. You felt like this because your parents kept you isolated. But there's nothing wrong with you. You are not a mistake. You are boundless potential. That's mighty kind of you, Professor. I'll be honest. 
since I left home, life's been hard. There have been more nights cold and scared since I left Prosperity than I can recollect. But then you found me, took me in. I know you said you're not a man of God, Professor, but it was still a right Christian thing to do. Actually, since you brought it up, I was hoping we could talk about your home just a little more. You said it was called Prosperity. What more can you tell me about it? <laughs> I can tell you it's a mite smaller than here. The whole town's no more than 60 folks. Well, probably 61 by now. Bet Aunt Becca's had her lid on. Hope everything went well. She's had a tough time and- That's, that's fascinating, really. But uh, for now, I think we should focus. There will be plenty of time to talk about Aunt Becca later. Oh, right. Sorry. Well, Prosperity's a small place. Not much goes on. There's the mines, and the general store, and the church. That's about it. And you said your father was the pastor? That he is. Thaddeus Emmanuel Shepherd, Reverend of the First Christian Church of Prosperity. Coincidentally, the uh, only Christian Church of Prosperity. And uh, does he speak the same way you do? Speak in tongues? Oh sure, the whole family can. Oh, please. Mr. Ayer, be quiet. Fascinating. And how did your father learn ro- I mean, how did he learn to speak in tongues? <laughs> you don't learn to speak in tongues. It just happens. Pa always said it was a gift from the angel. So these angels give you divine inspiration? Not angels. Angel. There's only one angel in prosperity. Uh, I'm sorry, but how much longer are we going to humor this brat? Desmond. Professor Howard, I know we have seen some unbelievable things, but angels? Angels that just happen to teach a bunch of country bumpkins an ancient language? It's just one angel, and it doesn't teach nothing. The angel just gives you the words to say, puts them in your heart. Then why were you still speaking the words, hmm? Why were you slipping into wrath when we picked you up off the street? I don't know. I thought if I got away from the angel it would happen less, but I can still hear it. Because you're not human. Under the exterior of a mewling child is something monstrous and dangerous. I'm not a monster! Oh, then you admit you are dangerous. We know about your run-in with city police. I must say, I suspect that few reports need to use the word disintegration. I didn't mean to kill him. I was just minding my own business. Then he, son Hartmer and or Rigsonvin. Why are you the word? Desmond, get out this instant! But I- I said leave before I strangle you right here. Deep breaths. Focus. Remember what I taught you. The voice inside you is nothing more than that. A voice. Block it out. You can! Repeat after me. My mouth is my own. My mouth is my own. Again. It's all right. You can, you can I'm sorry, now. Professor. I'm so sorry. Calm down. Here, take this handkerchief and compose yourself. Why does this keep happening to me? Mom and Pa thought keeping me away from other people would help. And I thought leaving home would help. Nothing works. Your friend's right, Professor. I'm gonna hurt someone. 
and I don't want it to be you. <sighs> the problem is not that there is something wrong with you, child. The problem is that we do not know how to harness your gift. But... The power you possess is unlike anything I have ever seen. No, unlike anything anyone has ever seen. And like all real power, it carries the risk of danger. But would you snuff out fire because it can burn? Or would you learn to control it? I... Do you really think I can control this? I believe that you are going to change this world for the better. All you need is guidance. And that is my small part to play in all this. It's not small. You putting all this time in? Believing in me? It means the world to me, Professor. Please. Call me August. <laughs> Ma would tan my hide if I called a grown-up anything other than Sarah Ma'am. Well, I won't tell if you don't. Alright. August. Do you think you're up for continuing the session? If not, that's perfectly fine. We can reschedule for later this week. Are you sure? I don't want to trouble you. Your well-being is never trouble. Well, if you don't mind, I think I'd like to just sit a spell in my room and read some more. Of course, by all means. Are you going to keep reading Don Quixote? Actually, I was considering the one by the Gotha fella. It's actually pronounced Goethe. I swear, all these writers just need normal names. Well, I hope you enjoy Faust. I'm curious what you'll think of it. Good night, Professor. I mean, August. Good night. Sleep well. This concludes session 57 with the anomalous entity. Sadly, we did not obtain any significant new data regarding the source of its powers, only anecdotal superstition regarding angels. Obviously, whatever really happened is beyond its comprehension, forcing it to use mythic structure as a crutch for understanding. But what we failed to obtain in knowledge, we more than made up for it in rapport. Desmond's childish outburst may have put us both in jeopardy, but it also gave me an opportunity to strengthen my role as mentor and confidant. The outsider grows more and more trusting with each interaction. Soon I believe it will be completely under my control. And once I have it in the palm of my hand, we will be ready to complete the magnum opus. Still, I am curious about just where its powers come from. Hopefully future interviews will shed some light on just what this angel balderdash really means. Professor Howard? You! I don't know whether I should pat you on the back or have you torn them from them. Do you have any idea how close you came to ruining everything? Yes, but I- All of it endangered by your impertinent mouth. And yet somehow, I managed to spin your straw into gold. The outsider trusts me more than ever before. That's wonderful, but- But nothing! The next time you question me, the next time you think that your second-rate schemes capture even a fraction of my brilliance, I- Professor, your wife is awake. She is? Yes, sir. I brought her, assuming you would wish to speak to her. Hmm. Very well, then. Send her in and leave us be. Of course. Hello, August. That's an awfully cold greeting for your husband. How about a murderer, then? <sighs> I think it's time we spoke openly. Please, have a seat. I will do no such thing. Then stand. Either way, you're not going anywhere. There now. Is it so hard to be civil? Oh? You're going to lecture me on civility. Will that be before or after the classes on adultery? You were never meant to find out about them. 
but rest assured, my interactions with those girls were in no way romantic. So you didn't sleep with them? That's what I thought. <laughs> I can't believe you. I can't believe the kind of man you are. I am exactly what I need to be. And what is that? Tell me. Tell me plainly who is sitting in front of me, August. You know who I am. I thought I did. I thought you were August Howard, a man who struggled to make sense of the world, who had suffered loss and turned inward, damaged by the loss of Lydia. Do not speak her name. Why not? Why shouldn't I? She wasn't just yours. I lost her as well. You lost a friend. I lost my sister. She was more than a friend. She meant the world to me. Yes. And after her death, what did you do? You tried to forget her, to move on. You did what everyone else did. Except that her death was either right or inevitable. No! I didn't have the luxury of rotting in anguish because I was trying to honor her memory and care for you. Daphne, I know you think you understand what is going on here, but once I explain you- Explain? What is there to explain? I heard you gun down a man on the telephone. Yes, a man you brought into our business. A man I had to remove, which was regrettable, truth be told. I think he could have made an invaluable asset. What I find curious is that he told you to leave town, but you decided to stay. Why didn't you listen to him? Because I needed answers. <laughs> oh, and you thought playing detective would give you those answers? There's no need for the cold shoulder. Fine, fine. I already knew all these details anyway. Cutting and dyeing your hair, putting those years at conservatory to good use playing piano for a room full of drunks as... What was that name again? Uh, Helen Davies. Right, right. And then Miss Davies decided to break into my office at Deakin University, which is how you ended up here. Are you going to kill me too? Kill you? Oh, goodness, no. Daphne, even if you weren't my wife, you're far too valuable for that. What do you mean? Your hand is twitching. Oh? Must be nerves. Being kidnapped tends to put me on edge. When was the last time you painted? I beg your pardon? I asked you when the last time you painted was. I assume you didn't bring your art supplies with you on the run. No, I decided to pack light. Here, take this pen and paper. And what do you expect me to... <gasps> August. August, what have you done to me? Nothing at all, my dear Daphne. Then why can't I stop my hand? In our years of research, we found that some artists are receptive to external signals, usually manifesting as inspiration. If ignored long enough, it becomes compulsion. I, I don't understand. How is this happening? Shh. Just relax. Once you purge the signal, you'll feel better. It's honestly quite incredible. What? What's incredible? That I would not only be married to a woman with this unbelievable talent, but it would manifest so strongly. Did you know that your paintings have given us five different spells? Five! You've done more research unwittingly than some men have done with years of dedicated study. Why are you doing this? What do you hope to accomplish with so much pain? What do I want? I want to save the world by any means necessary. I want to fix it all. And you'll be right here with me playing your part. Uh, may I? 
I won't be a part of whatever madness you're dealing in. I'll cut off my hands if I have to. Oh. That's interesting. Uh, I, I'm sorry, what did you say? I said you can go to hell, you arrogant fuck. <laughs> what the hell is that thing? Ah, good, you've returned. I assume the wretch is dead? No. Mickey O'Shea escaped. Excuse me? They got away. Yes. Thank you, you disgusting water flesh. I heard you. I was just baffled at your incompetence. The girl was there with them. Isabel? No. You said her name was Eleanor. <laughs> Seems like dying's done a real number on you, boss. That's enough, monster. It getting crowded in that brain of yours? I said enough. Pretty soon, you're not gonna know which you is which. Tessor! <laughs> you are mine to command. Do not forget this. Yes, master. Good. Now, you said Elnor was there. Yeah, and you never said nothing about her knowing how to speak. I never taught her that. Well, she picked it up somewhere. Cast a ward. Then she and the others slipped off while they dropped a damn building on me. Others? What others? It was her, O'Shea, Gordon, and some other schmuck. Some private dick. What did you say? Yeah, and he's got a contract with the hand. Just like you do. What was his name? Gosh, you know... I'm having a hard time remembering. Tell me before I make you tell me, you putrid pullup. Calm down, calm down. Gotta give yourself an ulcer. His name was Sky. Blake Sky. Blake? He's alive? Indeed he is. Indeed he is. I think I might have underestimated our friend, Mr. Sky, dear. But don't worry. I won't be doing that again. <laughs>